What's up, team? This is Transform the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hippel Jr., and I am ready to get into another segment. Listen, y'all know how we do our areas of focus deal with relationships that we have as aspiring pastors and ministers. But more importantly, I'd like to address the area of ethics, our ethical code. I believe that if we develop the right code in life, how we manage those relationships will improve. One of the most important relationships we have is our relations to self. I made a post this week about how we look out the window to look at everyone else, but um, how it is more important to look in the mirror and examine ourselves when it comes to life. So today I'm very excited because the topic that we're dealing with is mental illness, with depression, with anxiety, and how we address and how we confront areas that affect us. So um, this is the guest today. She is special. She is <laughs> she is near and dear to my heart. She is my wife, my best friend, the mother to my son, but she's also a family doctor and Dr. Armani Hempia. Bubs, how are you doing? Hi, am I on? You are on. You okay, are. okay. Hello. Hello. Um, let me tell y'all a story real quick about myself <laughs> and, and Bubs about how we <laughs> about how we met. Uh, <laughs> Oh I, I may have, uh, I saw her and um, one of her peers walking in, in the hallway twice um, in the same week. And I said to myself, I said, listen, if, if she walks past me one more time, or God, just, just give me the opportunity to, to say something to her, I, I guarantee I will get her name and she will be my wife one day. So <laughs> um, I, married, I, I saw her in the elevator going up and I, you know, I asked, I said, well, what's your name? And she said, Ermani. <laughs> and uh, that, that was all she wrote, family. That was all she wrote. I, I knew that um, I had her in the bag. I knew that one day we would uh, further our conversations and, and, you know, we became best friends. And, you know, we've been married now for how long, Bubs? How long have we been married? Four years, two months. Four, four years, four beautiful. Yeah, four years, two months. Four beautiful years. So let's get into this, um, Bubs. Tell, tell the people a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, anything you want to share as far as where you went to school at, anything you want to share as far as family. Yes. Um, I would just like to say thank you, Bubs, for um, having me on your platform. I'm so proud of you. Uh, you're definitely one of my heroes. You're definitely the star in the family. And uh, me and Babush would just want to say we love you and proud of you. Um, so, yeah. So, um, my name is Ermani, um, now Hempio. Um, I was born and raised in the county of Dade. 305. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I was born in Miami-Dade. I'm the um, daughter of two um, Haitian parents um, who we were raised as first generation um, family here. Um, I have an older brother, older sister, um, as well as a younger brother. Um, and we grew up as a tight-knit family, um, grew up um, loving each other, uh, grew up um, loving where we were from, loving our culture, mm -hmm. uh, and then also being raised in, uh, uh, I would say, an island family, a family, as you would say, see, but they're a little different. Mm -hmm. um, 
So education is number one. Education was pretty much the key to um, getting us out of wherever we were in life and excelling and helping us propel. Um, but education, I, I want to say education was number one first. Uh, God and the Lord was number one. So we always had that set forth in our lives. And then education was definitely stressed as um, being important. And so I kind of grew up in that environment and, uh, and, and, you know, just proceeded from there, you know. Okay, okay. What, what made you, this is, I want to know this, what, was medicine a, a focus for you early on? What, what made you want to get into medicine, to study medicine? Um, what was that like for you? very early. I would say it was actually an encounter of me going to um, my pediatrician's office. I remember having really bad abdominal pains. Um, and uh, my mom took me to the doctor. And um, when she did take me to the doctor, uh, he was a nice, nice older gentleman. Um, and he did a physical exam and he said, um, you eat a lot of ice cream, don't you? Mm -hmm. and I said, how did he know? <laughs> I eat a lot of ice cream. And I said, yes, sir. And from then on, I was fascinated by um, how somebody could know something about you without knowing you. Wow. And I was fascinated about that sense of being able to help somebody feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and so since then, I always wanted to be what that person was. And then, you know, growing up, found out that was a doctor, that was a doctor. And then coming to find out everything that I did was always focused on trying to excel to be that. So early on, I knew you had to have good grades. Early on, I knew um, you had to study hard. Early on, I knew you had to be a little bit active, um, you know, in certain clubs and things and, and such as that um, in order to be uh, deemed active, you know, enough. But I'm an introvert, so that was a lot for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew all of the steps I had to take in order to get to, um, uh, to that final, um, I would say, that final endpoint. Okay. I think it's very interesting that you said that. Um from the standpoint of it, I, I think about it like this. What if you ran into a bad encounter with a doctor? You know, what if, it, what if he was very rude? What, what if he was mean? What if he was impatient with you? Um, how that would have shifted your whole mindset. I don't want to be a doctor because you would have, I guess you would have really well thought that all doctors are like that. But I think that God had it, it well orchestrated it in such a way that I, she needs to be impressed on in such a way at a young age to see this is the kind of doctor that, that you would aspire to be, you know, so. Yes, I agree. I, I believe that, um, that God has, which is a special calling for you. And so it determines on where you are in life when you kind of know that calling. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do, you have a sense of peace. And, yeah. I, and I believe he knew um, very well that I would have to have that encounter or I would have that encounter mm -hmm. that would set that desire in my heart that would propel me for the rest of my life. Right. Um, so I agree with you. Yeah, and, and I think that's so important just for people in general that it's not just about having a special type of knowledge or, or a special kind of skill. It is about how you treat people along the way 
because you never know how you will impact that person. You never know how you also, even in your field of study or your profession now, how you may impact the next generation of doctors that once a little girl meets you, it's like, I want to be a doctor just like her. She was patient with me. She was kind to me and she diagnosed what I was going through without knowing me. So I I think that there's a lot of factors in that. and And I'm very excited about, our conversation today, you you know the climate like everyone else going on with COVID-19, um, this virus, this pandemic, and how it's affecting a lot of people. I, I read a comment and I, I want I want to run this by you. Since you are in this profession, it, it was that I guess more African Americans um, are have passed away due to the virus. And they I guess they're labeling it as a trust factor. And um, I believe that the doctor who made the post is trying to make the correlation or, or is trying to make the connection that we need more black doctors because they can relate more to black patients or we, we need more brown doctors because they're able to relate more to brown patients. How, how do you feel about that? Do you think that there's, that there's truth to that statement in terms of being able to relate to people who look like you? Yes. Uh, I'm going to take a little step back to unpack a little bit more and then kind of move forward. So you might have to remind me of the question again, might go off on a tangent. Um, But um, for one reason or the other, uh, now we have COVID in our lives. And thank God for COVID. We don't know why. We don't know What's the reason, but anything good or bad, we have to be in, in, in thanks. Um, so we do have COVID and um, with COVID, COVID unfortunately takes um, the lives of all colors, all races, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it attacks everybody. But uh, one of the things that we are noticing is that COVID is very vicious with uh, patients who have underlying causes, mm-hmm. such as hypertension, diabetes, asthma, mm-hmm. um, obesity, mm-hmm. um, COPD, smokers. Um, so if we look at that list of what we have, we can see what percentage of that demographics have those diagnoses. Um, And unfortunately, our population, our our Black population, um, have high numbers of hypertension, diabetes, asthma, obesity. So even there, that's just one one negative for us. Um, The other thing is just that there's also maybe a little bit of delayed of care um, because uh, we are our society or our race might be a lot of times not in the highest pay bracket. And so because of that, you know, a lot of times we'll try some home remedies before we try to go see anybody. My mom is, uh, like I said, from the Haitian culture, she'll get any leaves, Mm -hmm. any any herbal supplements in the backyard, boil it up, and she said, "This, this drink, this, this is for cold. This is for high blood pressure. This is this." So we are going to do our own home remedies first, typically. Um, so that might delay care a little bit as well. But also because we don't have the same finances, we may not be insured as everybody else. We don't want to go to the urgent care or the ER or to a doctor pay these high out of pocket fees because we just don't have the money. 
So that's also um, increasing uh, um, the mortality and morbidity of this disease. So um, we're not trusting in that sense. And then also, um, a lot of times we we have different stress factors um, that made us maybe not trust the healthcare system. And so with that, that also delays care. Um, and then now trying to go back to your question, do patients who are of the same race may feel more comfortable going to a physician of the same race? I would say that they may. That might be something that um, they would feel more comfortable um, with. I know as a, um, a as a doctor who speaks Creole, um, I had patients when I was working in a community health environment. Um, Haitian patients love being able to see a doctor that spoke their same language, although it's a little broken Creole. You yeah. know, I try my best, I try to do what I can, um, but they could relate. And when they came to me and they told me, oh, I, was, I made tea to help with my blood pressure, I didn't judge them because yeah. I understood. Yeah. yeah, that's where I came from. And I would have to say, oh, okay, that tea continued during your tea, but let's also add this. This may also help bring it down a little bit more. Right, so because in a sense, you know what they, you know what naturally, I guess what naturally they they will embrace, and I think that's important because if you, if you're from a different culture or you don't understand how important that tea is to them, you may, in a sense, differ, disrespect where they come from and what they believe. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that you said that that you know continue to drink your tea, continue to do the home remedies, but in addition to doing the home remedies also try this. And I think patients will, will appreciate the fact that you've respected their home remedies in a sense. So. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So. You did. You did. did. And I I love the way that you unpack that because that's something sometimes we read things on social media and we just take it for face value that someone said this and then, but we don't take time to unpack it in the way that you did. I, I never thought about the fact that, um, the maybe the African American race or the Black race, the things that we deal with as far as diabetes, as far as hypertension, those being the contributing factors too. Now, if you um, get COVID or you know you you come in contact with this virus, now there's a plethora of things that's contributing to maybe the the death rate within that society. So so thank you for unpacking that for us. I, I want to transition this conversation in, in a sense since we are talking about the medical field and trust especially with leadership um there i, I know that one statistic that always comes up is that 80 percent of pastors suffer from being depressed um that we suffer from being uh going through bouts of being um anxious you know uh high levels of anxiety and that type of thing. My concern is this, is that oftentimes we as pastors or as ministers or in the, in the leadership field, we like to mask or we like to hide behind just how, how good God is. And yes, he is good, but it is possible that we too suffer from depression. You know, it, 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 is, it is a good chance that we too um, can, can go through bouts of anxiety so, so address that for me. Um, how, how do we deal with that um, as pastors, as 
as leaders, what would be your advice as a physician to us in dealing with dealing with depression? Is it something that we should be ashamed of? Is it something that we should start talking about? What is your position? Um, I'm going to take a step back again okay. um, to maybe define what um, depression is and what maybe anxiety is and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times people may say uh, depression, anxiety has such a bad connotation because maybe it's never been defined very well um, to others. So um, depression is uh, two main symptoms um, in a two-week period back to back. One is that you've lost interest in something that you've done or you've lost interest in anything or everything. You've lost interest in pleasurable things and it has to be in a two-week period okay. um, two weeks going on or more um, the other thing is um, you have a decreased mood or sadness mm -hmm. um, so those two have to be positive in order to be said or to be considered at least um, depression mm -hmm. um, we learned something in medical school an acronym called SIG ECAPS that's okay. S-I-G E-C-A-P-S Okay. Um, and in old medicine, they used to write SIG, and mm -hmm. they wrote what, uh, what the instructions were for that medication or that recommendation. Mm -hmm. So you think of SIG, E, CAPS. And then so with those two first um, um, descriptors, descriptors, as well as SIG, so the S stands for um, sleep disturbance. Patients okay. have sleeping disturbance, sleeping a lot. Are not able to sleep. Okay. Um, so sleep disturbance is the S. The I is once again, they're reiterating the interest, loss of interest. Where's your interest level? Mm -hmm. um, the G is feeling of guilt, feeling guilty for one reason or the other that can affect your mood. Mm -hmm. um, the E is for energy. I have a loss of energy, uh, very down energy. Um, so that's important as well. C, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, where am I? G. Uh, cap C, concentration. Okay. Um, are you able to concentrate on tasks, work tasks, daily tasks, any tasks? Okay. So your focus kind of changes or shifts. shifts. Um, a is for appetite. Patients are eating out of control, you know, stress eaters, um, mm -hmm. um, sad eaters. They're eating everything inside. They're not hungry. Or you lost appetite. Those are the patients who don't want to eat anything. Mm -hmm. um, then we have P that stands for psychomotor or physicality. Am I moving a lot? You know, tremors, you know, shakes, or am I really slow, really sluggish? Okay. Um, so that's maybe another indication. And then the last is S, suicidal. We put on that suicidal or homicidal thoughts. Okay. Um, those thoughts are planned. So those are, with those two first descriptors plus these, um, that will kind of uh, grade the level of depression. Okay. And then with depression, a lot of times there's anxiety. They're kind of, they're brothers and sisters. They're okay. twin brothers and sisters. They like to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, always worrying. Yeah. Um, you may have 
um, neck pain, headaches, trouble eating, you have the jitters, you're always nervous, you might have tremors, mm -hmm. you can't concentrate, you can't focus, you can't sleep, I'm thinking about everything. Yeah. Um, and some patients with that may also manifest something called panic attacks, where they're really anxious, they feel short of breath, they're feeling doom, mm -hmm. um, and that can be a serious symptom of it. Not life-threatening, but it can be very scary for the patient. Right. Um, so with that, brothers and sisters go hand in hand. If depression is going up, I'm sad, I can't eat, I can't work, I can't get up work. Now you're worrying about paying bills, you're, you can't go to work, I'm so nervous about this. It all kind of rolls together. And, and I'm thinking about pastors and um, I'm listening to this acronym that you, that you brought out for us. And I would have to think that there are a lot of pastors who, who can't sleep um, because members can't come to church for, for one reason or another. The, the energy that, that pastors used to have because they were so excited to see people and, and they could greet people and hug people. And church is such a, a place where you're able to, to come together and celebrate. And now the energy in those places have been zapped out because now for a lot of pastors, it's just them and the camera. It's just them and their team. So you think about all of these symptoms or, or these signs, I guess, and I would, I would have to assume that, mo that a lot of pastors right now may be showing signs of depression, you know? Um, I, I believe that at the very begin, at the very start of this um, coronavirus and as things begin to shut down, no one expected it to last as long. And because it's still going on, I believe that a lot of us, like I said, are, are probably having problems sleeping at night. You know, um, we, we don't have the energy to get up on Sunday morning the, the way we used to get up. You know, we used to be excited. And, you know, now, yeah, now no one can run. You don't see anyone running or clapping or jumping. Yeah. You're stuck telling people to, to type in a box, you know, amen. But yeah. that, that same excitement is, is not there. So I'm, I'm concerned for the mental state, mm -hmm. the emotional state of, of our leaders and, and our shepherds and our, and our pastors, because I believe it is a serious, a serious thing. So, so yeah. thank, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And um, to try to to try to answer your question, um, do I think that they should be ashamed yeah. of being depressed? Oh, no. Um, depression, anxiety is just like having high blood pressure. Um, it's just like having um, maybe diabetes. It's not your fault. Yeah. It is a medical condition that you sometimes can't control, you know? Um, I believe that definitely you're going to have to have a strong um, foundation in the Lord in order to get through it. Yeah. But the just like Jesus, when he healed, he healed in many different facets. Mm -hmm. um, one, he either say the word and you are healed, mm -hmm. or two, he will actually touch and you are healed, or three, he may send disciples and yeah. you are healed. So yeah. in that same fashion, you can be healed in different ways. If mm -hmm. we know that Jesus is above all and the Lord is above all, created all, we have to trust that, that he created all. So he created medicine, he created therapy, he created people, he created church. Mm -hmm. So um, it is good that you pray, 
you go to church um, and you try to get that um, you try to get that treatment, that therapy, that healing. Yeah. Um, but if that healing isn't um, working, sometimes you have to go to the Lord and say, what's next? And sometimes he prepares it for us and he says, you got to go to therapy. Yeah. I don't want to do therapy. That means I'm not trusting you. He's saying, I'm telling you to go to therapy. I'm mm-hmm. the one telling you, you got to go. <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah. still trusting me. Um, and if I can share maybe a example for myself, yeah. um, I was going under a, a surgery um, this past year. Um, and I was, and I trust the Lord. And I was saying, I trust the Lord. And I felt it. But my blood pressure is out of the roof. My heart rate was 140s. It should be under 100. Yeah. I couldn't control it. It's just that I was so anxious. Mm-hmm. I couldn't control it. So how do you control your physical when your spiritual is telling you something else? Right. And then sometimes you may need something in the physical realm, yeah. you know, to help go along with the spiritual realm. Let, let's talk about that because I, I know that you are a believer, but you also have that profession as well. You, you know, you, you practice in the field, you've worked in clinics and hospitals. How do you balance? Uh, I'm a doctor, you know, and, and I'm, I'm professional in this sense, but I'm also yeah. a Christian. How, how do you balance that? You, you just told your own testimony. Yeah. Um, how, how does that work for you? Knowing what you know about the body, knowing what you know about depression and, and acronyms, knowing what you know about, um, you know, uh, medication that, that you can prescribe for certain um, things that we go through a, as people. How, how do you balance that in your field? Um, because I know that Jesus is medicine. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just practice medicine. He perfects medicine. Mm-hmm. So I'm just a vessel and I'm just a facilitator. Yeah. So everything that I may do, I may prescribe, I may recommend, it all comes from him. I'm just kind of just like, just a vessel, just a facilitator. So um, in that sense, I really don't have much, I would say, to glow about or to to, um, be on a high horse about because I don't have anything to do with anything that he created. I'm yeah. just facilitating, just facilitating. I think and God I, has a way of, you mentioned that, you know, I think God has a way of of humbling us in life where where you think that you know, but I mean, we, we've seen instances where doctors um, and surgeons are able to say, I don't, we've ran out of options, you know? Yeah. Um, I, we can we can look at life and we can say that, you know, we've ran out of options when it comes to this. We, we don't know how this person was healed from cancer. We, we thought that they should have been dead six months ago or, or a year ago. We, we don't know. Um, so I, I, I think that sometimes God uses those circumstances just to show us, yeah. I, I allow you to practice medicine. I allow yeah. you to do these things, but when you don't know, then he knows yeah. what's going on. Oh, yeah, because I'm quick to tell a patient. Yeah. Honey, I don't know, but, you know, you may do you, you may want to pray about this. Yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. got to go. You got to go to the mat- master. Yeah. Because I don't know. I'm so limited in mm-hmm. what 
we know um because if we knew everything if you if everything was based on our knowledge then we would have cures and we would have um relief for every single thing that comes our way you know we were knocked over with this covid and it's still knocking us over you uh, know i love so, how I, I love how god does this because even even when we don't know something he seems to bring us together in the unknowns. You know, he, he, he brings us together that we don't know the cure for this coronavirus, but he, he brings people together where hopefully we're all wearing our masks and we're, and we're taking safety precautions that I don't have to believe in the same God that you believe in. I don't have to believe um, in the same values that you have, but I believe in the unknown. And, and, and in order for me to protect you, I hope that you protect me and we all wear masks. So God has a way of unifying the world. He has a way of unifying the body to show I'm over all of this. You may not believe in me, but believe, you know, believe in, believe in this unity or, or believe um, in, in the good of human, in the, in the good of the human races, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I, I, I take comfort in the fact that we don't know everything, you know, um, when I go to the doctor, I trust the doctor that, that they know what they're talking about. I, I pray that you can find an answer, but if you can't, mm-hmm. I know who I know who I know who does have the answer, yeah, or yeah. better yet, I know who is the answer, right, <laughs> and, right. and and that that's where we can um, celebrate. That's where I believe that we can find comfort in life. So yeah, a lot of times um, they they teach you in medicine because. Uh, uh, when we're learning in medical school, especially our first year, um, they tell you learning um, maybe in uh, high school or college was drinking from a, um, a water fountain. Mm-hmm. But in medical school, learning is like drinking from a uh, uh, fire hose. Right. It's just coming at you too much, too much, too much. Mm-hmm. And they always tell you, it's not how much you know, but it's where to go if you don't know. Right. So um, if I don't know the answer to something, I, in the medical field, we go to a special source. Uh, all our physicians know what that source is that we go to. And yeah. then we look up tell us what it is? Yeah. No, no. I don't know. Google, is it? Uh, and I'm like, oh no, we don't do Google. It's paid source, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Paid resource. All those doctors know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we go there. And sometimes even with a patient in one of my jobs, for example, um, I would they would give you a computer, um, and then you will also have your patients there. And and I'm able to thank God um to type without looking at the computer. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes if a patient comes in with something and I really just I just don't know. I've asked all the questions and I'm going through my differential and I'm thinking, I don't know, because 80% of the patient's diagnosis um, is what they tell you. And if I'm still not there, sometimes you go to that resource while the patient's talking to you. Let me look up. I don't know what to tell them. Yes, yes, very good, very good. And you're looking up. Mm-hmm. You know where to go. Yeah. And so um, with everything, the final, the final answer, the final go-to is the Lord. So you have to know that when you've reached your breaking point, and be even before, sometimes yeah. even before I don't, I don't know anything, I try to read, keep up to date so that I don't know too much. I don't not know a lot. That yeah. I, you know, um, so we always have to remember that he's first, he's the perfecter, he's the, he is medicine. We just facilitate it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to give us some some insight, Doc, as far as because I know that now that we've addressed those who who may be suffering from depression or, or what to look out for, um, mm-hmm. how do we deal with it now? Now that now that I know that okay, maybe um, my my lack of sleep is is a sign that I may be depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe my lack of energy towards uh, service or towards church or towards um, what I feel like God has called me to do. Maybe, maybe my lack of energy is a sign that I, I may be um, suffering from depression, you know, or, or I may have signs of depression. Now, what, what are we to do with this information? What would be a step um, that you would advise us to take? Um, as always, I would say um, one doesn't fit all. Okay. So there's different types of anxiety and depressions. There are different types of treatments and there are different degrees of it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the first thing you have to do is just go to the Lord. Really, honestly, I'm not just trying to be cliche or anything like that. You really got to go listen. What does he say? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you don't hear anything, you know, mm-hmm. or if you do, um, one of the other things is um, definitely find a strong uh, spiritual base, you know, mm-hmm. um, support. Also, I would say try to see a therapist or a doctor. Let them know because um Depression and anxiety, also we have to make sure there's not any underlying medical conditions going on, like hyperthyroidism, um, that you're you're having any other signs of anemia that might be causing you to be tired. Um, First, that's why it's good to go to the medical doctor, um, therapist more so to get that um, therapy, um, helpful tips and tools, but also medical doctor to do a baseline screening, make sure we're not missing anything before we say it's this when it might be something physical and we could tweak it Um, so one do that pray um, seek therapy talk to your doctor and then your doctor or your therapist may guide your treatment and I want to say this that depression and anxiety is not something like a common cold that kind of here and then go it's something like hypertension it's, it's something that we have to maintain. It's lifelong. It has remission and it comes back, it goes. It comes back and it goes. Right. So the best tool is for us to find out what is best for that individual. And that would be what the physician therapist might have to work out. Yeah. Some patients may just do well with just prayer, mm-hmm. um, going to church, getting some friends that's, you know, that might be helpful. Some may need something else, may need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. That might be helpful. Some may need the second step. That might be medication. Yeah. Now, I don't, I want to say that um, depression, anxiety is lifelong, but it doesn't mean you have to be on medication for your whole life. Right. Sometimes during this season, I'm having lots of patients with anxiety and depression that's being brought on by the COVID. And so they might need a little bit more. So they might need medications to help them, but then they might, they might be able to get off of it or stop it once everything resolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I say, and I would also like to say for them to trust the process, mm-hmm. trust the process. A lot of times the medications take 
a while to work. Mm -hmm. um, so you might have to be patient with it. And then one doesn't fit all. So if one doesn't work, don't give up and say, oh, I had bad headaches, bad stomach aches, nausea, vomit. I'm not trying anything again. I'm done with that. Right. And then symptoms get worse. Was go back to your doctor and say, this didn't work. Okay, we might have to change. A lot of times you have to change multiple times before you find the right regimen. I, so so, I think that's so important. And that's why I wanted to address that because, you know, I, I've been in church pretty much all of my life and I'm thankful for it. But I've heard, you know, that once we are going through things um, or once we're dealing, de dealing through things, we've always thought that the shout would save us you know if shout and you know your deliverance is in your shout or your deliverance is in your praise but the reality is this is that sometimes you go back home after the music has stopped after the service is over and now now I'm sitting in a room by myself and I'm and I'm and those symptoms come back you know yeah. um, so so that's what I wanted to address that as pastors as leaders even as Christians for those who are listening we know that that first step is to pray. We know that that first step is to get with God. Those things are things that we probably practice all of our lives. Mm -hmm. I want to get us so comfortable with, maybe we need to see a professional, uh, some professional help in this area. You know, can we, can we make that, can we make that cool again? Can, can we make that norm where, listen, I'm struggling with this and, and I've read the scriptures and, and I've recited the 23rd Psalms and, and I know these things, but it's something, it's something more that's going on within me. So, so thank you for that. Did you want to add anything else? Yes. I, I also want to say that especially pastors, especially leaders, they are in the limelight and they have a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. a lot of stress. And now during this time, it's, you know, it's just unknown on how much their the burden is for them, their families. So we definitely want to pray for them um, and the church body. Um, but we also want to say that um, if you don't want to go to your doctor in person, maybe it's a small town and your, your doctor is your family friend is going to you know, who you don't feel comfortable letting them know because you may feel uncomfortable, you know, because other people might know. Um, although that doesn't tend to be the, the, the case, but there's now lots of different services where because of the COVID, um, there's different telemedicine health services where you can do things remotely. Um, I almost want to say there's no excuse now for not getting help because there's remote help. There's a lot of um, platforms that's doing things um, different hours, all hours of the day, of the night to make um, uh, services available for patients. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't even have to see a physician even in your own state. You know, you can see somebody in another state. And there's some platforms that you're not even needing to do video um, conference. Some is just telephone if that makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. And some are just um, typing if that's chatting. Um, so the Lord has made there to be different ways of getting access to health and to maintain your mental health. Because like we say, you need physical health, you need mental health, you need spiritual health. Yeah. So 
don't be afraid to reach out um, because it's going to not only help you, but it'll help your congregation. It'll help your family. Um, but And don't be afraid. It's not a shame to take medication if needed. It's right. just like needing medication for high blood pressure. That's how we have to do. We have to normalize it because yeah. it's not, it can't be taboo or it can't be um, embarrassing where literally if you're in a room, uh, three out of the five would have depression or anxiety. Wow. So that's something that can be comforting in a sense to say, you know, hopefully maybe at one table talk, we can say, okay, maybe what are you doing for your depression or anxiety? What are mm -hmm. you doing? What are you doing? And yeah. so we want to get to that point, especially since we're, I think the COVID has unlifted that blanket of um, need for mental health, especially yeah. for leaders, um, uh, church leaders, any leaders, business owners, you know, they're going through a lot. So we definitely want to make, make you know that we're available, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, we mentioned the leaders and the pastors, and you say three out of five. And I said, well, man, that's probably 60, 70% of the congregation is probably depressed, you yeah. know, and, and we're, we are encouraging them to shout and we are encouraging them to celebrate and we are encouraging them to have faith. But these, you know, we are depressed. And we're going through things and we're not, we have not been advised or encouraged to go talk to someone else besides us. I, I want to hold us accountable as pastors that we don't have to know everything. We, we don't have to, they don't have to come to us uh, for their healing, you know, or, or for that word that you can actually go to someone else and someone else, a licensed professional can help you out in those regards. Yeah. Let, let's normalize a community where if I don't know something and it's beyond my expertise, I have physicians in, in our, um, in our congregation or, or amongst our church who I can direct you to, you know, let, let's, let's get to that place in the church body where, like you said, that would be an awesome conversation to sit amongst three to five friends and have a, a, a honest conversation about our mental health. You know, yeah, and I, and I guarantee that, um, one time or the other, somebody's felt those symptoms. Yeah. One time or the other during their life. And I want to challenge you, Pastor, to um, moving forward, I would like for you, when you're talking to your um, pastor friends and leaders, I want you to ask them, how are you doing today? You know, you, you always say, how are you doing? How's the family? You know. Um, I want to maybe maybe add in how you doing? How's the mental health these days? Mm -hmm. You know, depressed, anxious, yeah. you know, and just make it just as flow as just as asking for the family, asking for their mental health. That's you really know, um, and that makes them. And then they may be like, uh, you know, let me let me I'm call you later. I'll call right. you later about that. You right. know, so they can feel free. You know, feel open to it because what we want is that we know these are trying times, yeah. and these are definitely trying times for um, leaders, pastors, like I said, business people, healthcare um, workers, everybody. So yeah. um, definitely seek seek help. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I appreciate this. I do want to leave on this note. Um, I've always admired. The, the path that you that you've taken to to complete your level of education from res, you know to residency and and being a practicing physician what 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 piece of advice would you give um 
some young aspiring doctor, you know, who, who, who has dreams of being a doctor. Maybe, maybe they've ran into you or, or one, of your, one of your lovely friends and they say, you know what, they're, they're, they're nice. You know, I, I want to be a doctor too. What, what advice would you give them, that, that little girl? Take, take me back to, to whatever age you were um, when that doctor found out that, you know, or saw that yeah. you, you may have been eating ice cream. What would you tell that, um, that 13 year old Armani right now, if she wanted to be a, be a doctor? Uh, but first I will honestly tell them um, uh, to pray about it and to maybe in their prayer, um, have the Lord impressed in them as that to be a desire for them to want it. Um, because it's a long road. It is a very long road and we definitely uh, need to be ready for it. So definitely let tell the young um, girls to expose themselves early. You know, there's gonna be a lot of science, a lot of math. So maybe try to do um, uh, summer camps and math summer camps, you know, science summer camps, things like that. Um, go to the museum a lot of times. Go to things. Start start to date. Start dating medicine early. Start yeah, to like know. Yeah, because when I was young, I was 13, 14. I was already looking up different um, types of doctors. Mm -hmm. There are, um, I could already tell you the different types, the different salary types, and how many different uh, residencies there. I was that young and I already knew. Yeah. Um, so start to date the profession. Um, then when you're in high school, um, get ready for college. You know, you want to take those AP classes, the honors classes. Try to try to be above the rest, if I would say. You never want to try to go into medicine being on that average line because you can be washed out, you know? Mm -hmm. So you always try to be above. Work hard. If you need help, get a tutor. Go to a tutor. Call a tutor line. Um, go to your teacher's you know, work hard. Um, in college, get in different activities, different clubs. If you're an introvert, you got to do one or two. Yeah. One or two, you got to push yourself to try to get into a club or two, science-based, you know, I think Alpha, Beta, some Alpha, Beta, something like that. Some one of those science, you know, science clubs, right. National Honor Society, something like that. Um, volunteer, volunteering in a clinical setting, clinics, volunteering in, um, um, in, um, in ERs, you know, different things. Like I'm trying to remember, um, I was, I sat on the admission committee for medical uh, school. So I'm trying to remember what differentiated our students. So those were the students who were very active, who they were well-rounded students, I would say. Yeah. We were very intrigued by what we call well-rounded student. Those are students who um, were very active or different activities. Um, yeah. They volunteered. Um, they even did a little research. So any kind of research, it doesn't have to be lab research, maybe some research in you know, human studies or something like that. So right. that made the, the, the more different it was the more interesting it was for us especially okay. during interviewing conversation um and then also studying having good grades and also trying to do well on those standardized tests now i'm going to say something about those standardized tests and um some people may not be the best standardized test takers um and god has blessed me with being one of those people mm -hmm. okay so I, all my life i've never been the highest 
SAT, ACT, MCAT score person, but I always did very well in school, class tests, everything like that. Mm -hmm. So with some, some of that, you have to thank God for your grace, for grace in that. Yeah. So with that, we don't say, don't give up. If you're not having a good, strong score in terms of those national tests, I'll take somebody who's strong um, academically in school, who's very well-rounded, who I can have a conversation with, who has a great personality mm -hmm. over somebody who's like over the board scores who who didn't go outside of their can't do anything what do you, do? Yeah. <laughs> you know so, right. and i want to tell them that and i hate to say it like this but us being minorities that's a positive because yeah. in fact a lot of medical schools they want us so just in that, not trying to fill any quotas or anything, not saying that, but they want us to diversify, to help diversify the class, to help, help them educate, as well as to help patient population come towards the residency, towards the medical school. Right. So we have a plus. We are unique. We are wanted. So definitely go for it. I remember going to medical school. We could have had maybe we had something called the uh, PIMS program. Um, those were uh, pre-medical school students plus uh, um, students in the class. We may have had maybe uh, about 10 or so African-American brown students in the, in the medical school out of, I think, I think 80 or 70 of us. That was very good. Yeah. That's very good for school. That's very good. And so as I was leaving, we saw more and more. So mm -hmm. especially if you're an African-American male mm -hmm. or brown male, um, yeah. you are definitely needed in yeah. a medical field, you know. That's encouraging. Um, yes. That yeah. is so encouraging that, I mean, and this, this is really the time that, that we as a people need to embrace those opportunities um, for us because the world is changing and yeah. programs that maybe did not want us before are, are seeking us now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've given a list of, of things for, for people to, <laughs> to, to, to do for those who are, um, you know, aspiring or, or thinking about medical school, you know, even if you are late in, you know, those years, twenties or thirties, I don't think it's never too late to pursue what, what God has given you, you, you know? So if that's something that's being pressed on you, then, then definitely go for it. So mm -hmm. any last words Doc, before we, before we wrap up this episode? No, just thank you for the opportunity and the platform and um, just love you. Amen. Amen. Uh, now, Doc, I know you don't do a lot of, uh, social media, but how, how can people connect with you if they wanted to connect with you on social media? Um, how, how would they look you up? Oh, Lord, that's a good question. I have an Instagram. Oh, Bubby should have told me this before. Instagram, I think it's Nini Lovebug. Lovebug. Maybe you'll add it somewhere so people can see. I'll, I'll, I will add it for our guest listen team. That's our time. This is Transform the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hempel Jr. I want to thank our lovely guest, Dr. Armani Hempel. That's the buzzer. Game. <laughs> <laughs>